Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, I, I'm just so encouraged right now. I just got out of a meeting with one of our staff members, and, and, we're, and we were just looking at, at Bible schools that are being started all over the world and prisons that are, that are using Impact International School of Ministry curriculum. I'm telling you something. We are touching lives, and I am so excited and so appreciative. And all of you world changers out there, I want you to know that all the people right now that are watching this broadcast all over the world is happening because of you. So listen, today we're going to be jumping into a message that I think, again, is just, is, has tremendous practical value. We're going to be talking about removing the boundaries of faith, and it's not going to be your typical stuff. You know, last week we we're talking about getting stuck in this gap between the promises and the manifestation of the promises. And, and, and we've got to understand the biblical concept of that and the biblical uh, way or the biblical method to move past it. So I'll be back in just a minute. Get ready. It's going to be great. Hey, I've got a great download for you this month all the evidence you need. You say what that's about? I'll tell you what that's about. That's about gathering the evidence to persuade your heart to believe God for whatever you need in your life right now. Listen, download this right now. It's my gift to you. You know, anytime you start talking about faith, those of us who come from a uh, an exposure to the Word of Faith background, sometimes you just draw up in a knot and you almost resist it because maybe you're angry at some of the concepts of faith that you learned that weren't all that biblical and weren't all that workable, or maybe you yourself heard something good and twisted it into something that became legalistic and, and destructive. But now listen, faith is in the Bible. It's impossible to please God without faith. We walk by faith. Every aspect of our relationship with God is about faith. But it's not necessarily about faith from the perspective that we have been taught about faith. It doesn't mean everything that the faith movement or everything that somebody taught us was wrong. It just meant that that's not the totality of the picture. That's not, that's not the full reality. And so don't draw back when you start thinking about faith. And when I start talking about wanting today to talk about the, removing the boundaries to, of your faith, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you don't have enough faith. You do have enough faith. Listen, if you had enough faith to get born again, you have just experienced the greatest miracle that will ever happen. That is one person being instantaneously resurrected to become a new creation, a totally new creation. Listen, there's nothing that requires more faith than that. You've got enough faith. But what I want you to see is the Bible presents this concept of us getting stuck, at least that's my terminology, where our faith is not really working. It's not really producing any power in its life. And like we said last week, we get stuck in that gap between what the Bible promises and what's actually manifest in our life. Now, we discussed uh, uh, the fact that we have this tendency to want to explain, or spe more specifically, to justify what is or isn't working in our life. And I call that circumstance theology, creating a doctrine or a theological concept that justifies me being where I am. You know, it's amazing how badly we want to justify ourselves. You know, it, it amazes me 
when people have something that isn't working and you challenge it, their response very seldom is to, is to consider other possibilities, consider that what you're saying might be true. But the tendency is, and it's not even that that person is, is defending their doctrine. They just want to justify why they are where they are. And, and that doctrine that they've created makes it all right. It gives them permission to be stuck where they're stuck. And I want to tell you something. That, that's all about low self-worth. That's all about really not recognizing who you are in Jesus. That's, that's because that person isn't really putting on their, their, their new man and, uh, and they're connecting they're connecting uh, uh, their ability to feel good about themselves to being right or wrong. Well, listen, we, we don't want to do that. We want to feel good about ourselves because we know we're children of God, because we know that our sins have been forgiven. We know that we are accepted because of the fact that we're in Jesus Christ. And we want everything that makes us feel good about ourselves to be based on who we are in Jesus. And, you know, this is where we started in this series just a few weeks ago in Philemon 6 about this need, this absolute command that if we want our faith to become activated, we have to start acknowledging. And, th and this is an acknowledging where it's more than just saying it, it's saying it and experiencing it as being real. We have to start ex saying, experiencing, acknowledging the good things that are in us in Jesus. Now, we don't use that for justification to, you know, cling on to sin and call ourselves righteous because the truth is your heart will never believe that. You know, when your actions deny your heart, your deliberate actions, when they deny your heart uh, and deny what you're saying, then your heart just believes that you're a liar. So, you know, we're not talking about saying one thing and living another way. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, we're talking about uh, uh, persuading your heart of the reality of something. Now, keep in mind, and, and we, we tend to overlook this, there's a difference between doctrine and theology. Doctrine are basically ideas that are taught as truth, and doctrine can be informative, or it can be uh, it can be directive. They can be uh, doctrines can be a scriptural interpretations that prov provide an informational basis for how we understand God and what we think will please Him. But doctrine can also be directive and point to application. So sometimes our doctrine is something that that uh, explains God in a situation, or sometimes it's something that explains how we need to apply whatever truth it is. But the, the word theology, the, you know, theos is the Greek word for God. The word theology is just the study of God. In other words, who is he? How do we understand him? So theology seems to get more directly aimed at defining God's character and nature. Now, the irony is this. Because of our doctrines, see, our, our doctrines are these this information base that we have, these ways of interpreting and applying God's Word. And whether we realize it or not, whenever we uh, choose to, when we choose how we're going to apply God's Word on a very subtle level, that says something about who we believe God is, what we believe His character and, and nature is. And, and really, our motivation about applying God's Word gets more specifically in who we believe that God really is. And so anytime we're doing something out of the motivation of fear, anytime we're doing something out of the motivation of obligation, then, then that is, in fact, what makes it legalism. You know, the other day, and I've had this happen more than once, 
you know, I, 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 put, I posted something on my Facebook page that someone didn't like. I, gave, I actually gave a warning, and, and I didn't say you should do this or you shouldn't do that. I just said, you know, if you're going to expose yourself to this, you need to guard your heart because biblically speaking, we only have one source whereby we should determine who God is and whereby we should interpret God's Word, and that's the life, the teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And oh man, I had dozens of people call me a legalist and a Pharisee. And I'm thinking, you know, that is, that's, that's amazing that just a warning to guard your heart, a warning that says, evaluate, you know, what you get from this based on the Word of God, specifically on the life, teaching, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because if you don't, you know, you can head into deception. Man, I'm telling you what, people went off the rails. Well, you know something, that, that's going to happen. And, and, and I understand that. But you see, Jesus is our only source for properly creating doctrine from, from God's Word. Jesus is our only source for actually seeing who God is, His character, His nature. So, so our ideas tend to create an image of who God is and particularly our motivation. Because keep in mind, one person can, can do something, and, and I've always used this example, and you know, two people could be standing side by side in church, and one person could be saying, oh man, they're getting ready to take an offer, and I, I, I hate to have to give, I don't have but so much money, I don't want to give, but I got to, you know, because if I don't, God's going to kill me. Well, that, that's a legalist. Another person may, be, may give, but they're, they're saying, you know what, my, my reason for God, man, I want to be a blessing. I want the gospel to go forward. I want this church to prosper, and I want to provide children's church and all kinds of ministries, you know, that sort of thing. So they're doing the same thing, but they're doing it from a different motive. That motive of why you're doing what you're doing reveal, reveals more about who you believe God to be than, than the scriptures that you quote. And when the image of God that we respond to is different than what Jesus taught, then the problem is our faith now is not really in God. It's in our idea of God. It's in a vain imagination. Actually, what it's really in is, is in, a, in idolatry. Because when we, when we create an image of God independent from how God has revealed himself, we have actually raised up an idol in our mind and, and we are going to be heading toward disaster. So keep in mind, we're talking about what I call circumstance theology. In other words, my scriptural interpretation uh, that I use to create an explanation and a justification for my circumstance, how I explain the fact that the promises of God are not really manifested in my life, how do I do that in a way that I still feel good about myself? That's what circumstance theology is about. Listen, we're going to dive more into this and get into the solutions of this. I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. I've got a great series for you this month that has already helped thousands of people. It's called Wisdom for Healing. Now, it's not just about physical healing, even though that's a part of it. It's about getting the wisdom of God, the practical application in every situation to know how to walk right into your miracle. And you know what? This month for you, we've got a special prize. So be sure and check this out, Wisdom for Healing. Get the wisdom that you need to take the next step and the next step and the next step to walk into your complete destiny and all that God has promised you. Hey, listen, don't forget, 
If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure and click on the like button below. Every time you like my videos or subscribe to my channel, it causes more and more people to hear these messages and more and more people get their life touched and enriched. And you get to help me reach one billion people and develop, and develop them into disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about the, the fact that people can put boundaries on what God can do in their life. You know, there's a prevailing mentality out here in the world today, uh, in the Christian world today, that, that d doesn't want us to have any responsibility. There's even people that say if you take on any responsibility as a Christian that, that you're into legalism or you're a Pharisee or you're into dead works. And, and I have to say, those people that are making those statements may mean well, but they don't know the new covenant. And, and they, they have a, a concept of God that doesn't align with what Jesus taught, and it doesn't align with how the apostles' doctrine, which is what you find, uh, you know, from the book of Romans forward, you're reading the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine is not different than Jesus' doctrine, and Jesus' doctrine is not different than the Old Testament commandments. The only difference is how you interpret them and how you apply them. Jesus showed us how to apply everything that God ever said from the motive of love and how to understand God from the motive of love. And then he lived this out in front of us uh, so that we could see what it looked like. And then through his death, burial, and resurrection, he established the new covenant. And the apostles, they're not preaching something different than Jesus preached. They're explaining what it looks like in application as churches began to grow and as people began to try to manage their life, and especially Gentiles who did not know the commandments of God. The Gentiles were totally clueless. But everything, everything that, 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 you know, that Paul Peter, any of the, any of the writers of the New Testament ever wrote, they based on what they understood about God from the commandments, what morality was, what ethics was, what honesty looked like, what, you know, what civil law looked like, and all those things, but then interpret the, them and applied them from Jesus' life and teaching and said, okay, so this is what this would look like as you walk this out as a, as a new covenant believer. But there's a theme all the way through the scripture that basically presents the idea that even though we have something given to us freely in God, that doesn't mean that we are allowing it to manifest. Now, we're, so we're never working faith from this perspective that says, I've got to get God to do this for me, or I've got to get God to give this to me. Because everything that we need for life and godliness is ours. But it's, but it's ours to the degree, according to Second uh, uh, Peter 1, 3, and 4, it's to the degree that we experience this. And if, and if we don't experience these things in our own heart, then it's a, it's a bit of information that's true, but it's not our truth. And truth is what sets you free. And truth is not just the information. Truth is, truth is the information based on how it was intended and based on whether or not it is being experienced in our own heart. Then it becomes our truth. And so some people come up with these concepts where they overemphasize the sovereignty of God and just say, okay, if this is God's will, it'll happen in your life. Well, no, you know, that's not the way Jesus presented the gospel. That's not the way uh, anywhere in the Old Testament that we understand that that God operates, and that's nowhere in the epistles uh, and how the apostles explain 
how to function and how to walk in God. As a matter of fact, the apostles uphold exactly what Jesus taught and exactly what really the Old Testament even taught. And that is you can neutralize God's power in your life. doesn't mean you're a horrible person. doesn't mean you're off living in sin. It doesn't mean that God's cut you off. It doesn't mean that God's removed that promise from you. It just means you have neutralized the power that will cause that promise to work in your life. In Galatians 2.21, in Galatians 2.20, I always say, everybody knows Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, that scripture is so filled with paradoxical truths that you can only grasp on a heart level. Otherwise, you end up you end up in one extreme or the other instead of something that you can experience right now in this life. But Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside, or the King James says, frustrate the grace of God, for it is, uh, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, let me, let me say this. Many of the people who have declared themselves to be the, the, the uh, teachers of grace today would take this passage and basically try to imply that the only way to neutralize grace is by being a legalist the way the Jews were legalists. Now, keep in mind, the inherent weakness of a Jew that becomes a Christian is legalism because their tradition and their culture was to take what God said, not apply it the way God taught it, not apply it the way God instructed, but take what God said and, and apply it from a perspective of, of attempting to earn righteousness. And so... And so Gentiles, on the other hand, they have a whole different issue and struggle and default where they go to error. Gentiles tend to default to mysticism and subjective reality and subjective truth. You see, they didn't have all of the Old Testament to understand who God was. They didn't have all of the, uh, all of the sacrifices and, and feasts to understand the nature of Jesus and understand what was going to happen whenever he, whenever he died for our sin and became the sins of the world. And really today, many people, many people don't understand what Jesus really did at his death, burial, and resurrection. They don't really believe he really had to become sin. They don't, they don't really believe that he suffered the wrath of God. They all, they believe it was just some kind of a show to kind of persuade people of, of how good God was. And that's because they are not looking at God through what God said about himself. They're not looking at God through what God has revealed. It's a subjective reality, which is a form of mysticism. And that's, that's what Gentiles default to. And we're Gentiles, so our tendency, yes, there's a lot of Gentiles that learned how to become a legalist based on the word of God. But I want you to understand, subjective reality turns into legalism because when people start interpreting the word of God by their own experiences and then they start expecting or requiring you to interpret God by their experience, they're legalists. They're not using the law of Moses. They may be using their experience. They may be using their denominational doctrine. Who knows? But, but this passage of scripture does not just apply to people who get back under legalism. But this passage of scripture and he's talking about grace and talking about righteousness. Now, righteousness is more than just being right with God. 
Righteousness has to do with things being as they should be. You know, the word right, when it talks about human rights, it's amazing how we've twisted up that word because that word, when the word rights are used in relationship to human rights, that word is related to righteousness and it's talking about how it should be for human beings, how our life should be, how our freedom should be, and that sort of thing. And so since God is the creator of man, only God's definition of human rights are those that are acceptable. You know, when you, when you dive off into, into just creating what you consider human rights to be independent, again, of the Word of God, you're just creating an, an idolatrous, vain imagination that you're trying to impose on people because, because you're trying to say this is, this is a, the Christian thing to do. Well, it's not. The, so, so he's talking about life, experiencing life as it should be. Well, how should life be? Well, it should be the abundant life. It should be righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It should be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart. You may say, Jim, do you know anybody that's living life that way? You know something? I can't say that I know anybody that's got ever bit of it working, including myself. But that's not the issue. That's what salvation is. And salvation is a work of grace that comes by faith. So Paul is saying, I don't set aside, or as the King James says, frustrate, but here's what the Greek says. I don't neutralize grace. So there's this concept of neutralizing grace and saying, so then how it should be, which it really gets into salvation the promises of God, the inheritance, the abundant life, how it should be. If it can come through the law, then Christ died in vain. But for that matter, if it can come through any formula, then Christ died in, in, in vain. So like I say, many people would have you think this only applies to the law of Moses, but it, but it doesn't. You know, even in the Old Testament, God warned the children of Israel in Psalm 78, 41, that they could put limits on them. It's really interesting. He told them in one place, you know, you know, when he smacked the rock and they got water out of it, he told them in one place, I believe it's Psalm 81, he said, he said they could have gotten honey from the rock, but they limited God. See, Psalm, that's Psalm 81, 16, by the way. They limited God and only got water. And, and, and that's the way we are. We are getting, according to the apostle Peter, we are experiencing the goal, the object, the expectation of our faith. And the whole concept of limiting or neutralizing God's power in our lives is consistent with everything that the Bible has ever taught us. The Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus, you know, Jesus taught, you know, Jesus, there, there were people under Jesus' ministry that in the original language did not get healed, but it was because they didn't believe for themselves when other people were getting healed. And I've seen that happen in crusades myself. So there's always been a gap between what God promises and the, and the manifestation. And we have, in those situations, we have always somehow neutralized the power of God. That's what grace is. Grace, more than anything else, is God's power that works in our heart, His ability, His strength, His capacity that makes us able, that's given freely. So we have that power in us. But the question is, are we activating? This is where we started in Philemon when it talked about that the communication of your faith may become effectual, may become activated. How? By acknowledging and experiencing every good thing that you have in Jesus. Now listen, 
I'm going to come back with my mentor moment, and I'm going to share with you some things that you can start to do right now to put this into practice. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Wisdom for Healing is one of those great series that's going to help you know how to walk out every situation that you're facing. It's an eight CD series and got a great special for you this month. You want to have this. This is going to help every area of your life. You know, we're always talking about the fact that we're changing the way the world sees God. And one of the ways we do that is through Operation 1B. And through Operation 1B, and we are raising up schools all over the world and publishing material all over the world to train people and establish people in this new covenant truth. I got three pictures I want you to look at. You'll see a picture right there of a man in Pakistan holding the gospel of peace. And we are in the process of having that translated into their language so the gospel of peace will, will flood Pakistan. And then we We've got some pictures from Tanzania uh, of two different situations where people are going through Impact International School of Ministry through the thumb drives, the Bible school in a box, uh, the, the pads that we send over, all of these ways that we have for training people. And you know what? That's happening because our world changers are saying, man, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to invite you to come to our website, check out becoming a world changer with us. Help us change the way the world sees God. Help us start Bible schools all over the world and reach a billion people. Hey, don't forget at the end of this segment, it'll just take you five seconds. Click on the subscribe button that's going to come up so that thousands more people will have the chance to hear this message. And if it's helping you, be sure to like it as well. Matter of fact, you can like it right now. Be sure to like it. Let's get this message out. Send links out. And of course, you can only do that if you're watching on YouTube. And for those of you who are watching through other uh, avenues, then send links out about these programs and get people involved. We want to set people free. We want to expand people's lives. We want them to experience God the way He really is. Now, listen. We talked about the fact that in Philemon, he says that the communion, the communication of your faith, that comes from the word communion, and that has to do with sharing what we have in common with Jesus. Now, faith, and it says that, it says, and it talks about the sharing or this communion of our faith becomes activated. So what we're wanting to do, we're wanting to activate our faith in what we share with Jesus. Now, one of the problems with that is if we are not looking to Jesus as the source of the fulfillment of all of God's promises, then we're really not operating faith in God. We're operating faith in our faith. We're operating faith in our theology. We're operating faith in what somebody else told us. But our problem in faith and one of the greatest neutralizing factors is we're not looking at Jesus. You know, when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. See, we have this tendency to shift that into, uh, that's how we get saved. And then once we get saved, we jump off everywhere else and start trying to figure out our theology, our understanding of who God is. Well, J Jesus said, look, if you want this to work, you've got to take my yoke. In other words, you've got to apply my theological presentation of God. You've got to apply my doctrine to God. So my way to the life of God. And Jesus said, this is life that you can know, that you can experience the Father. So if I want to experience the Father, I've got to do that through Jesus. So I want to encourage you this week, I want you to go back and I want you to read the Gospel of John. Now you can read other Gospels later if you want. I want you to read the Gospel of John. And I want you to open your Bible in prayer and just say, Father, I, I, I want to see God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to understand the character and the nature of God by everything that Jesus said. And, 
And also, I want to see how this applies to my life right now. And as you're reading through the Gospel of John, after you prayerfully start, I want you to make a note of everything that you see that alters the way you see God, that defines the way you see God based on what Jesus did, what He taught, those sort of things. I want you to, I want you to make notes of everything that you can put into application in your life right now based on how Jesus represents God. And I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.